really appreciate that, buddy. I really do, man. Thank you, guys. Felt like I was at home. And uh, we have a bunch of young folks. They think I grew up in the Civil War, but that's all right. Uh, that's all right. You know, when you get my age, happy hour was nap time. And uh, you find out where the action is and go somewhere else. And, uh, but uh, thank God for the joy of the Lord. Isn't that good? Um, I use it on Sunday afternoon. We have a long day at home. Uh, we, too, have an 8.30 service and a 10 o'clock service. And uh, I used to go home after lunch and listen to bluegrass music and go to sleep. And uh, I didn't get my nap today, so I'm going to be short tonight, I can tell you that. <laughs> and um, so just hang on and hang on quick. And let's pray. Father, we thank for what we've already heard. We thank for the message that's been presented in song. Thank for Brad and this group and their spirit and their coming to share with us. God, I ask you to do now what only you can do. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit, to say what needs to be said and the way it needs to be said, and to quit when you want me. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Spiritual recovery. Turn with me to Hosea chapter 14. I did something recently I've never done in my 48 years of preaching. I did a series of messages through the, the minor prophets uh, in the scriptures and a couple of the books I'd never preached a sermon from in all those years. Uh, but what a blessing those uh, studies have been. And tonight I want to share one of them with you, just a portion of a study of one of the books, Hosea. And uh, Hosea chapter 14, listen to these words. O Israel, return unto the Lord your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words. And turn to the Lord, say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher or Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in the fatherless, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. Look what God says here. That's the call to repentance. Then look what he says. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under the shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is your fruit found. Who is wise? He shall understand these things. Prudent. He shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. Just now, as Brad was singing that song about redeem two years ago, about two years ago, 
A guy called me one morning. I was in my study. He said, I really need to talk to you. Can I come by? He came by, and I, at that time, had never heard that song. Had never heard it. And uh, I don't know where he heard it. Uh, he's writing. I don't know where he was. But he was a man that had gotten away from God. In the past, he had known the Lord. He, did, he still knew the Lord, but he wasn't in fellowship with him. And his choice of going out and seeing cost him dearly. Lost his home, lost, lost so much. But that day in my study, I saw God take an old, worn-out, weary Christian who had turned to the world to try to find what he was looking and got it right with God. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know, it's amazing how we, we can be so deceived by sin, isn't it? We, we leave a world that let us down and disappointed us and made us miserable. We get saved, we enjoy Him for a while, and then Satan is so subtle, he can get us to turn back to the stuff that made us miserable to start with. Uh, a doctor told a young woman one day that she had one year to live. And she said, well, what can I do? He said, marry an ugly and boring man. And she said, how is that going to help? He said, it won't help, but it may be the longest year you've ever lived. <laughs> and, uh, that's the way sin is, isn't it? It just lets you down. As you know, if you've ever read the Scriptures, the book of Hosea is... Is about Israel and how they had turned away from God. But God used a man who had gone through a time of brokenness in his life and his family to illustrate the condition that Israel was in. Hosea, the Bible says, had married a woman. And uh, in her heart, even though she was married to a man of God, in her heart she was in love with the world. And the Word of God tells the story in the first special of the couple of chapters of Hosea and uh, she got pregnant by another man. She was cheating on her husband. She went the way of the world. She finally became a prostitute. She was living in the depths of sin. And God told Hosea to go get her back. Can you imagine the love, the grace that took for him to be willing to do such a thing after she had hurt him and those kids in the way that she had? But then in chapter 14, God uses that to illustrate how he wanted Israel to return to him. I want you to just notice a few just statements throughout the book that really in, in language it's hard to not remember this when God talks about revealing the spiritual deterioration that had gone on in their life. Listen to what he says in uh, Hosea chapter 6 verse 4. The, uh, God says, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto you? Now this is God asking the question, What else can I do for you, kid? What else can I do? Look what he says. For your goodness is as the morning cloud, and as the early dew it goes away. You ever known anybody that said they gave their life to the Lord and then turned away? They're no longer doing the good things they used to do? They can remember a time in their mind when Jesus Christ was a joy. They loved him in sincerity. They were involved in ministry, trying to reach others for Christ. And yet today we see a church that's in trouble because many of us have allowed the world and the pleasures of the world to cause us to doubt what Jesus Christ is in our life 
And our, our goodness is as the morning cloud. It just goes away. So temporary. It's not something that is a real part of our life. I want you to be honest, Teresa. When you come to church now, do you come to church just because it's time to come, or do you come to worship a Lord that you still love? We need to be honest with these things. This is what else it says. Word of God says, he talks about in that, uh, as a morning cloud, that superficial uh, sanctification. But then he talks about in verse 8 of chapter 7, he said, Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now, I'm not a cook. I, I can't cook to save my life. I, I'd boil water and do that pretty good. Hadn't wasted the pot yet. But uh, I'm just not a cook. But I've heard my wife and some other ladies talk about trying to make a cake sometimes, and you burn it on the outside, and inside things still raw. Well, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about partial separation. Now, listen to what he says. A cake not turned. Many times in the Christian life, if we're not careful, we can be overcooked on one side and raw on the other. You ever seen a, a person that had a great deal of Bible knowledge about what the Scriptures teach, but their spirit turns you off? You ever seen that? You ever seen somebody caught up in legalism and they know all the rules, but if that's the God that they serve, I don't want anything to do with it. You ever met that kind? God help us not to be a cake not turned. Word of God says we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Not just the knowledge of His Word, we need that, but also in the grace of the Lord. To, to let the Spirit of Christ be a part of our true attitude, our daily living, our spirit, and how we deal and treat other people. Not be a cake not turned. And then the Word of God says, now listen to this, <clears throat> I often wonder what the congregation would look like if for one month all hair dyes were disappeared. <laughs> Listen to what God's Word says. He said, Gray hairs here and there upon him, yet he knows it not. When you, when you have gray hair coming in, coming in it doesn't hurt, does it? Ow! Ow! I just got a gray hair. <laughs> no, it just happens, doesn't it? One day you looked in the mirror and you said, Dear God, what, that, what happened? You know. That's how spiritual deterioration takes place in our life. Usually people getting away from the Lord, it's not a blowout, it's a slow leak. That happens all the time, doesn't it? And you know how? We know that because it's right here in the Word of God, isn't it? He said gray hairs here and there and he knows it not. We need to understand that sometimes in using the physical illustration, what he's talking about is our spiritual condition. What about you and I tonight? Is there a need for recovery? Is there a need tonight to just get gut level honest with God? Lord, this, this is the real me. This is the way I am. Do you still love him? You remember when Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Pete, you're going to chicken out on me. 
You're going to deny me. You're going to say you don't even know me. How did Peter respond? He said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you, but I'm not going to deny you. You can count on me. Just a little bit later, the same man that said that, he's cursing and swearing and said he doesn't know Jesus. You see, the problem was when God spoke, he didn't hear him. Oh, he heard him with the ears. He knew he said something, but he didn't hear the message. And there's a danger in us in getting to that place. We can go through our motions in church. We can do our thing. We can preach sermons. We can sing songs. We can teach classes. And yet if we're not careful, we get to the place. We're not listening as God tries to communicate what we need to hear. And we fail to see our spiritual condition. Then the Bible says after Pete denied him. You remember that morning after the resurrection? Jesus Christ was on the side of the Sea of Galilee cooking breakfast. I, I can almost see that scene in my mind as those guys were sitting around that breakfast table as such that morning. <clears throat> Jesus said to Peter, Hey, Pete, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep, Pete. I can almost see them sitting there eating and he had their attention. He asked him again, Hey, Pete, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. You can almost see it going on in this old rugged fisherman. He's brought to a place in his life. He's beginning to see, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't pay attention when God was trying to speak to me. I wouldn't take the message. And then the third time Jesus asked him, Hey, Pete, do you love me? You remember what he said? He said, Lord, you know I love you. But he realized he was a failure apart from Christ. He realized he couldn't live in the strength of the flesh. He couldn't do what God wanted him to do in his own energies and strength. That morning, he got it right with God. And isn't it amazing, the principal speaker on Pentecost was Simon Peter. I'm sure some of the neighbors said, well, God will never use him again, but I'll tell you what, God had different plans, didn't he? And thank God he's a God that will take those who have fallen and made a mess when they get honest and they're willing to get right. And I believe the church can live again. I really believe the fire of God can work through His body once again and we can see the church, be the church and make a difference in the world that we're in. What God teaches in Ephesians 5, the Lord's not coming back to get an old hag. He's coming back to get a beautiful bride. And it's going to take revival for that to happen. And I pray it'll begin in us, even tonight here at Living Word, not at Living Word also, but here at Theresa. That we'll let him live again in us and be what he wants to be through us. I want you to notice just a few thoughts here and I'm going to quit. But look what it says here. First of all, it's a call to repentance. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord. The word return there is the word we get our word repentance. It's a call to repent. When we come to the place in our life as a child of God, and I'm convinced of this, 
We're sitting around as the church waiting for the world to repent, but the world's not going to repent until we show them how to do it. The world's going to have to see the difference in us. The difference that Jesus Christ makes in our life. Because we once again love him. The Bible said Jesus said to the church at Sardis, you have a name that you're alive, but I know you're dead. That's a bad report, isn't it? You know, it's so, such a sense of freedom when we really get honest again, isn't it? Get honest with God. Get humble. Humble ourselves and just let him see the way things really are. When we try to hide things, we get ourselves in a mess. A family came home from church one day. This, this, this happened. They came home from church one day, and uh, they hadn't even had their lunch. The, the, the wife, she was inside getting the meal ready, and they have two kids. It's a little boy and a girl. They were, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And they were out in the yard just playing, and all of a sudden their dog, Matt, came out of the bushes with a lop-eared rabbit in his mouth, shaking it. Well, it scared them to death because they knew that rabbit belonged to Miss Clawson who lived next door. And it didn't like to scare them to death, and they didn't know what in the world to do. And the daddy is always telling those kids when they get in trouble, they get worried. He'll tell them, say, now let's sit down, now let's think this through again. Don't get upset. Let's think about it and find out the right answer. They went running down and told them, they said, daddy... Matt's got that lop-eared rabbit of Miss Clawson and shook it to death. He went out there and he looked at it and he thought, oh, my goodness. He told those kids, he said, now, Miss Clawson was still at church when we left, so she hadn't got home yet. He said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you take that rabbit, take the hose pipe and wipe him off good, then take the brush and brush him, and then you take him back over there and put him in that cage, and she'll see him. She'll be a little upset, but it'll be okay when she gets home. They took that old lop-eared rabbit and put him over there in that cage. Then they went and hid by in the bushes waiting for Miss Clawson to get home. When she got home, she went in the house for a few minutes, and sure enough, she came out the house, walked over to that cage where that old rabbit was, and when she opened the cage door and saw that rabbit laying there, she literally started shrieking and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down, and it scared the daddy. He thought, wow, I didn't think she'd act this way. And they all went running over there and said, Miss Clausen, Miss Clausen, it'll be okay. What's wrong? What's wrong? She said, I personally buried this rabbit three days ago. <laughs> Now, folks, you didn't get yourself in a mess when you do that. God said return. And to return, we have to get honest, don't we? We have to open up the cage door. We have to tell people this is the way it really is. God help us to see that. But don't you notice something else he says? He says, return unto the Lord your God, for you have fallen. Look at that now. For you have fallen by your iniquity. Iniquity is that driving force behind sin. It's kind of what's inside of you that's turning the wheels. It's that turning away from God in your heart where no one else can see, and it finally comes out in your action. And the Bible said the people of God, he's talking to the people of God, O Israel, for they have fallen by their iniquities. Then look at this next statement. 
He said, take with you words and turn to the Lord. What's he talking about? He's talking about confession of specific sins. I was at First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, when Dr. W.A. Criswell was still the pastor. One Sunday morning, there was a guy who walked down the aisle. He's a middle-aged guy. He looked the way he was dressed, very successful. He walked up to Dr. Criswell, and he said, I know I've got sin in my life, Doc, but I don't know what it is. Dr. Criswell said, kneel down at the altar and guess at it. Dr. Criswell said he guessed it right the first time. You know what we try to do? We try to get out of the trap by playing church. Take with you words. Hosea's wife had to come to a place where she admitted to Hosea, I have become a prostitute. I've been living in an immoral life, and I want to get back home and live the way I should. Israel had to come to the place where they were willing to take words. And when we get to this place, people, listen, when you come to a place, you're willing to get honest with God, and you begin to let the Holy Spirit of God search your mind, and you begin to see in your mind the words that you need to say unto God. He knows it already, but He wants us to face it. And take Him with you words. The Bible says if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now listen, I want you to get this. Why did he use the word sins, plural? When someone comes, say, here at Theresa, someone walks down this aisle, they've never been saved, they say to the pastor, I want to get saved. I want to trust Jesus as my Lord. He doesn't ask for a list. Okay, I'll tell you what, we'll do that. But first of all, you've got to write down on a piece of paper every sin you've ever committed. It's impossible. First of all, you can't remember them all. So what's the difference? When we come to Christ, we admit we're a sinner, and we're believing that Jesus Christ died in our place on the cross. He took our judgment on the cross. But once I become a child of God, in order for me to maintain my daily fellowship with Him, I must be willing to confess sins as I commit them in my heart and ask Him for His forgiveness. That's if I confess. If is the biggest word in the Bible in that, in that verse. If. God says He is faithful and just to forgive us. Isn't that good? This is all about God's mercy here. This is how God wants us to be forgiven. Look what He says. He says, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. That's relying on grace. How does a person get saved? It's by grace. It's not goodness. It's by grace, the grace of God. So will we render the calves of our lips. We're confessing. I had a funeral with a guy. It's been a number of years ago. And he shared a story that day. I don't think I'll ever forget the rest of my life. He said a guy that dreamed that he was standing at the gate of heaven. And the way he described it, he said as he stood there at the gate, looking inside, it was kind of like standing at Disney World and looking inside and seeing everything that's going on, and you can't wait to get in. And he said as he looked inside the gates of heaven, he was so happy and thrilled, he just couldn't wait to get in. Now the theology of this story is terrible, but the meaning is good. 
He asked the gatekeeper, how can I get into heaven? And the gatekeeper said, it'll take a thousand points. Now, I said the theology is terrible. It's rotten. But the gatekeeper said, it's a thousand points. That man said in his dream, he began to think of everything that he'd ever done that was good. He said, I tithe my income to the church. I built a wing onto the hospital. I have two kids who went into missions work. I take care of my family. I've never been in prison. And he told everything that he could even imagine. And he said, after he had exhausted his mind from everything he could remember, he said, the gatekeeper said, that's one point. And he realized he was in trouble. And he said, when the gatekeeper said that's one point, it scared him so bad, he fell on his face at the gate of heaven crying, Dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the gatekeeper reached down and said, Welcome to heaven. That's how you get in. And that's for all of us. Religion just doesn't cut it. It's a relationship with Christ. We are redeemed. Thank God. Look what he says. He said, Assyria shall not save us. Isn't it amazing in this beloved country of ours, even tonight, she is sick. Instead of putting our trust in the living God, we are looking to the countries around the world. And Israel was looking to Assyria. Assyria shall not save us. And Assyria will not save us tonight. Only the Savior. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. Isn't that good? Isn't it amazing that God knows all about us and still loves us? A wife said to her husband one night, she said, Honey, when I turn gray-headed, will you still love me? He said, I've loved you through five other shades. One more won't make any difference. <laughs> God knows all about us. Look what God says here. This is such an amazing chapter. And I, I know we're running out of time. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. God says, I will heal their backsliding. The greatest doctors in this world with the greatest instruments that man has can't do that. But God can. Isn't that amazing? I was standing outside our church one Sunday night. I was talking to two ladies. A beautiful young lady came through. There's a grove of pines down across the farther end of our parking lot. And uh, this beautiful young lady came walking through those pines, and she walked right up to me. I'm standing outside the church. She said, are you the pastor here? I said, I am. She said, I've got one question. I couldn't imagine what she's going to ask. I said, what is it? She said, is everyone welcome at this church? I said, as the dew is to the flower. She said, I'll see you next Sunday. I didn't think I'd ever see her again. She came back the next Sunday. Long story short, I've never heard such a story in my life. After she had come a few weeks, she began to come real faithful. She got her life right with God. She turned her life over to Jesus. And I asked her one day, I said, Leanne, I need to hear the story. I'm bound to hear it. She was a prostitute in Las Vegas. Beautiful young lady. A prostitute. 
She went to prison because she got so full of hatred toward men. One night she was in just a miserable condition. And she said, I just wanted to see if I could stick a knife in that guy. And I took a knife and stuck him right in the chest. She went to penitentiary. She stayed there for a period of time. And a guy that I'd never met, he was CEO of a factory there in Lynchburg. And uh, they had several plants across the country. And he flew from one to the other. He was also a pilot. He flew around to these different places. And one was in Vegas. And she was his mistress. When it came time, he had all this money available, and he used to fly through Lynchburg, and he'd call me, he'd always want to take me to lunch, and all the time, every time, we always went to a bar. Isn't that something? I didn't care where it went, as long as I could talk to him about Jesus, and he'd let me talk. Came time for her to be, she was eligible for parole. With his high-priced lawyers, he got them on the case. They granted her parole on two conditions. One, she must have a job and a place to live away from Vegas. And just think about this. You want to see the hand of God? Of all the factors he had in all the cities in the United States, he picked Lynchburg. And guess where he got her apartment? Right behind Living Word. Isn't that something? <laughs> you talk about a setup. I saw that young lady turn her heart that was so full of sin and darkness. And she became one of the most radiant Christians that I've ever seen. And I had witnessed a, I won't call his name, I started to call his name. You wouldn't know him, but I'd witnessed to him so many times. He never would turn his life over to Jesus. And he took sick. I knew time was running out. And I'd basically given up on him. I didn't think it was any more hope. And one day the Lord put it on my heart. You go see Bill now. He's at the hospital. I knew he was in the hospital. You go over there. I walked in that room that day. And I told him, I said, Bill, I've talked to you many times. God wanted me to come over here today and tell you one more time, you need Jesus. You need to be saved. And goodness is not going to cut it. You've got to depend on him and what he's done at the cross and the resurrection. And that old rich fellow just humbled himself and asked Jesus in his heart. Isn't that good? That's receive us graciously. God says, I will heal you where no human can heal you. Look what he says. I will love them freely. Love them freely. Nobody points a gun to God's head and says, you've got to love them. No, he loves us freely. And he loves us so much, he gave his son that we could have life. Look what he says. He says, for I will be as the dew unto Israel. Oh, my goodness. As I studied that in that series, that word dew, the dew, like you go out and it's on the grass. I was amazed. It's an intimate force. It makes contact. It's proportionate. The hotter the weather, the drier the weather, the more the dew. 
even in a desert land as this was. He's talking about the dew can cause a plant to revive when the water has not come, but the dew will save its life. God says, I will be as the dew. It's a penetrating force. It goes down inside the plant and causes it to live again. That's what revival is. It means to live again. Theresa needs to live again. Theresa can live again. Living Word can live again when we bring with us words. And dew is also a silent force. I've never had the dew wake me up at night when it was falling. It's a silent force. And that's the way the Spirit of God works in our heart. When we come to the place and we need, see our need, we know I need Jesus. And the Spirit of God is working inside of us. And we, by faith, respond to Him. Hallelujah. I'll be as the dew. He'll grow as the lily. The lily is known. The flower here that he's speaking of is a flower that will grow in just about any circumstance. People here tonight are in different circumstances. You're in some hard circumstances maybe. But the lily can grow. And God says, I can grow you wherever you are. Isn't that good? You might be confined to a terrible situation, but God says, I'm bigger than your situation. You can grow as the lily. The lily is known for its beauty. God wants to cause to have, the Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. There's so much here. Grow as the lily. That's in all circumstances. And cast forth his roots as Lebanon. That's growing downward. You don't see the roots. They've gone, they've gone down. Why do they grow down? To get the nourishment that we need to live. And God says, I'll cause you to grow downward. It's like an anchor. You'll grow to be strong in the Lord. His branches shall spread. That's growing outward. That's growing in ministry. That's getting involved. Letting God use my life to be a blessing to someone else. Growing outward is the branches. His beauty shall be as the olive tree. The olive tree. The olive would be crushed. Crushed. That's how, why many times God allows us to go through trials. He literally crushes us to get what's good inside out. Just like the olive. It's used for healing, the olive oil. It's used for cooking. It's used for light. God says that's where you and I'll be. Isn't that good? You will do like that, he says. You'll grow outward. You'll grow downward. You'll grow in beauty. Look what else he says. His beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. Isn't it amazing what smell does? You ever been in a... Go back about a hundred years. You remember when you were young and kicking up your heels and you got in a car with that beautiful young lady? Oh, oh it'll fire you up, won't it? <laughs> you know what God is saying? When lost people begin to see in us the likeness of Jesus, it'll draw. 
Isn't that good? Look what he says. They shall dwell under his shadow. They shall return. They shall revive as the corn. Many of you have farmed. You've seen the corn look like it was beyond coming back. And then the rain comes. And it brings it back from death's door. That's what God can do to his children when they return to him. I read some the other day was a real blessing to me and I hope it will be to you. Some of you maybe have decided God can't use you. Let's be real. You ever notice the crowd he used in the Bible? Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a dreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hand, was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. Are you in worse condition than that bunch? I love you, Teresa. There are many of you that are dear friends. But there stands one tonight that wants to be to you tonight that no one else can be. Return to him, Christian. Don't let your pride send you home the same person you came. Swallow your pride. It's non-fattening. Let God work in your heart tonight. You do it. Grow outward, downward, upward, beauty, fragrance, fruitfulness, and freshness. I'll be as the dew if you'll return. Pastor, do you come? As we sing as the Spirit of God, we speak to your heart. Go ahead, son.